Hey, welcome to the inaugural edition of the RV Travel Podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host, as we adventure around the world in our travel trailers, motor coaches, Class Bs, Class As, Class Cs, and everything in between, including that tent trailer, if you're just getting into the game. Pretty excited about this. Been in the podcast world for a while, been in the broadcast world for a long dang time, and here I am talking about my passions once again. But we'll talk about that in a subsequent episode. Right now, I want to tell you what we're going to do today. Hopefully, we're going to make your trips a little bit more comfortable and a little bit safer with some advice from a RVTravel.com writer. We're going to talk with the founder of RVTravel.com, our parent company, The Mothership, about the whole Megillah. We're going to tour a new Soul Dawn travel trailer right there in the factory, right here, right now. And we're going to help you dip your toe into the um, in, into the into the world of boondocking in one way, shape, or form, if that's your intent for the first time this year, based on the campsite crunch that we all see coming in the industry. In fact, I'm going to get your opinions on that later in the podcast as well. So stick around and see what you and your cohorts are thinking about. Oh, the availability, the reservation crisis, if you will, uh, in the RV travel world. It's all coming up on the RV travel podcast. First off, your opinions uh, on this one. The RV Industry Association just published their first study in about a decade on um, the demographics of people like you and me, the folks who buy and use RVs. Massive growth since 2011 when they last did that survey. There were 8.9 million RV households back then. 2.3 million new RV families in the past decade. That is a lot of folks on the road and a lot of folks calling for reservations at their local KOA or at their local state park and forest service campgrounds. So, uh, you know, that's something that's going to be top of mind for quite a while. And uh, right here it is in this podcast. Some interesting insights of the 11.2 million RVing households in the country, 55 and up age, 5.5 million of us, 5.7 million are under 54. And that demographic is growing by the day. In the 18 to 34 category, Uh, those folks make up 22% of the market. And that's only going to get bigger as uh, everybody learns uh, that they can telecommute from virtually anywhere they can get a cell phone signal. I know I'm doing it, and uh, maybe you are too. So we asked a little bit about that on the rvtravel.com Facebook page. Frank Merritt had an opinion. Not only do we need more facilities, we need more service. Amen to that, Frank. Also, he is glad to see the industry growing. John Bruce has uh, has an interesting perspective. He's an entrepreneur, you can tell. He says, for the people person, with some energy and incentive, an RV park could be a pretty good investment. Yeah, in fact, it's funny. I got an email not the day before yesterday from somebody who wanted to make sure that we knew here at RVTravel.com that he was going to be doing that very soon. Living the dream and good luck to you, man. 
If you haven't figured it out by now, the RV Travel Podcast is brought to you by RVTravel.com. Where it all happens, if you're not visiting that on a regular basis, if you don't get the regular daily newsletters, go on down to RVTravel.com and sign up. Poke around, I can guarantee you there's something in there that you will learn. Sign up and be a subscriber. I'm so excited to have as our first guest on the RV Travel Podcast, well, the guy who started it all, Chuck Woodbury, been uh, part of the RV travel world for, well, since they invented RVs. And now here he is, uh, the proprietor, the guru of RVTravel.com and, and my working partner on this venture, Chuck Woodbury, welcome to the program. Well, it's very exciting to be here, Scott. I'll tell you, it's, uh, we've been talking about it for a while, and, uh, and now it's happening, and I think it's very exciting and fun and certainly a departure for a guy who's pretty much a, a word guy, but, you know, in print or uh, uh, in something you read rather than talk about. So I'm excited. You know, it's funny you bring it up that way because I was thinking the same thing earlier today. I was working on a magazine story for an RV publication mm -hmm. and thinking, you know, what I really like doing is stringing words together. Mm, but here we yeah. are, we're just doing it, but we're doing it orally instead of on paper or electronic paper. But you've got, you, I mean, you've got a wealth of background in all of that. And I'm just going to call you a media uh, maven when it comes to the RV world. Give us a little backstory on you. Well, I'll try to make it short, but um, it all started for me way back in college, and that was many, many years ago. And I uh, got into the school newspaper, it was a daily newspaper, uh, and, and I, the minute I got on there for an easy half unit, um, I, I just went, wow, this is it. I want to be in uh, journalism, communication, whatever. And it led to me publishing a lot of little local newspapers and things. I was in Sacramento, California. I uh, finally got the opportunity to buy a very small motorhome. I had dreamed of just traveling and having my home and newsroom with me. That would, in other words, a little motorhome. So I bought a little, you know, thing that hardly ran, but I loved it anyway. And um, I, I went out and wrote for magazines, and then I decided to publish an on-the-road newspaper, meaning I would travel around, gather stories, publish them into a newspaper. I called it Out West. Um, the newspaper that roams, and I got a lot of publicity, uh, and it, it, it grew into something uh, quite large, and then it ran its course, and then the internet came along, and because I had been in a small motorhome, I had learned the lingo, I had learned that world well before most people did, and so I, I go, oh, this internet thing's going to be something, so I got rvtravel.com and started publishing that, and and it just grew and grew and grew. And, um, and that's basically the whole story. You know, it's funny that number one, so back, back when you were in journalism school, weren't they still mm -hmm. using uh, quill pens or something? Oh my God. It, you know, I, I, it's so funny, but you're not too far off. I mean, there were still newspapers being produced with linotype machines. And if anybody knows what those monstrosities were, um, uh, but it's, it's evolved so far. It's, it's, uh, in my lifetime, um, it's it's uh, uh, it's just been a complete turnaround, and it's it's amazing to me now. It's different, amazing, and uh, 
challenging and and but the ability to reach so many people so fast is to a journalist is i think uh is very exciting you know you you make a good point and i was a journalist too and and we did that that whole thing and we ran our course almost parallel in fact for a while there we were probably crossing paths literally in sacramento but uh, you know right now that i mean Pardon this, but the RVTravel.com empire, mm -hmm. it, it's got tentacles everywhere. Um, tell us a little bit about all the things that one can find there. And the reason I bring this up is not because you're my partner in this venture and, mm -hmm. and we work together on this, but because there are a lot of listeners who are not familiar with this incredible resource. And everybody wants to do better at what they're doing, even their fun stuff. So. If they're looking for resources, what can they find there? Well, a little bit. I mean, we. I think we we just passed ten thousand articles on our current um, uh, website. We kind of erased the old one about five years ago and sort of started over just to come into the modern times. Um, and we've there's. I mean, we still cover the basics. You know, getting started and heaven knows that's a big topic right now. Uh, we our our audience is very avid RVers, so there are a lot of full timers. There's people that are working on the road, work campers, and um, sort of what you see in this new movie, uh, Nomadness, is kind of talking about that crowd. Um, and and um, so what they learn is about how to take care of their RVs, what to do with their RVs, where to go with their RVs, how to uh, deal with the crowding in the campgrounds these days because of the huge number of new RVers. So we basically we have a newsletter every single day of the week on different topics uh, within all about RVing. And we, it, within those, we cover just about everything that um, uh, an RVer would know. And they can pick and choose what they want to read. They, we really are just a huge information source. And that's my background is, is educating people and, and entertaining them as well. It's, it's gotta be fun too. So um anything about RVing it's with 10,000 articles and growing about 100 a week there's there's plenty there yeah and for this music major uh every little bit helps when it comes to RV maintenance electrical and travel ideas uh, I'm yeah. always looking for something there um but you know you started way back when 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 I think when I think those first motorhomes were still horse drawn and uh <laughs> It, and you've been in the RV world ever since. What do you mm -hmm. love most about that whole RV? I'll call it a hobby for now. Well, I think the best thing for me always was just that ability to um, just drive around the next corner and see what's there. And as a journalist, coming upon those nuggets to write about. But in the process, I got to stay in beautiful, beautiful places, camped by rivers and streams and the ocean. And so it was the freedom, it was the excitement. I'm, I have a very short attention span. So I just, I get to one place, I get excited. I know that I can go climb into the cab and turn the key and I can be off to a totally different place tomorrow, meet new people. Um, it's a little more difficult these days because it's a lot more crowded, but that still really is the appeal uh, for people that buy RVs is being, whether you want to be with nature or you just want to go out and explore museums or you want to go out and go whitewater rafting in every river in the West. Uh, you can do any of that, and you have this really comfortable little house with you. And, of course, the last year with the pandemic and all, um, having being able to isolate yourself and still travel has been incredibly appealing, and it's made RVing incredibly popular.
I feel like we were breaking the rule a little bit uh, early on in that whole thing. We were going places we probably weren't supposed to go, but you're absolutely right. The freedom that you get mm -hmm. in an RV, it's different for everybody, but it is freedom. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, if you had to narrow it down, you, you probably will have a hard time. So just pick the first one that bubbles to the top of your mind. What is the most in indelible RVing memory that you can come up with? Oh boy. Um, I, you know, I think it's those years, uh, out West when I was meeting so many incredible people and I, I don't know that I can, uh, name one, but one, I mean, I, I, you know, there's so many, there's camping. It's there's so many places I camped that were just so beautiful and you just, you know, you can hardly believe it. You go out there at night and, I was thinking the other night, I'll just leave you with this, um, this topic is I was thinking about the nights when I used to be in the Forest Service campgrounds far from any other lights. And I would sit there and I would maybe have a glass of wine and I would look up and see the Milky Way. And I had this feeling that I was at the center of the universe and every point of the universe was coming, radiating, it was going out from me. I, I know it sounds silly, but it just, you were there all by yourself. There was this sky that went from horizon to horizon because there was no light pollution. And it was almost a spiritual experience. And I had that, uh, I've had that so many times that I still cannot um, uh, help but marvel every time I'm in that situation. And I think that's one of the um, kind of types of experiences you can have. Um, it can be a sunset, it can be whatever. Um, and I still love it after all these years. Man, the hair is standing up on the back of my neck. That mm. I, I'm thinking about a very similar experience I've had in four or five different places, mm -hmm. where that 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 night sky is it, it almost looks painted. Yeah, yeah. I was in um, with my ex-wife uh, uh, early on in, uh, when I was RVing, and we were in Parachute, Colorado. I remember the name of the town, and, and we were in a Bureau of Land Management campground, and it was, it was those, uh, I can never say the name of them, those meteor showers that come every year. And we climbed up on the roof of the RV and bought blanket and pillows, and we just laid there and looked straight up. There was no lights for miles and miles and miles, and the meteors were coming every, you know, twice a minute and it was the most incredible sight be like being in outer space where all you see is black and, yeah. and pinpoints of light but um yeah so many of those experiences it's you know it's it's hard to bring it, you start talking and it gradually come up but there's so many of them okay well your assignment for the future is to come up with more of those um we're going to turn you loose to you know to lording it over all of your minions in the rvtravel.com empire and and carry on here at the rv travel podcast chuck woodbury the founder of all of this rvtravel.com and everything there check it out if you are not a loyal reader already and of course we hope you'll be a loyal listener as well chuck Great to talk to you. Thanks. And, and don't go away because we're going to talk more in the days and weeks to come. I'm looking forward to it, Scott. So thanks for having me on. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you. Okay, goodbye. Man, always good to talk with Chuck, a brother from another mother in so many ways, except for his tasty music, but that's another story. 
you know, it's a crazy time. It's only going to get crazier as summer gets closer. Everybody's laying plans and uh, including those, what, 2.3 million new RV owners. They're all calling on the first day to make a reservation at your favorite campground. So what are we going to do about all that? Well, you know, boondocking, you know, for some is a dirty word. For others, it's the only way to fly. But there are alternatives out there. And one of them that I was intrigued with weeks ago, because we're doing the same thing you are here at the Costa de Linden, uh, is uh, boondockerswelcome.com. So I dug into it a little bit and I have on the line with me right now, the founder, Marianne Edwards. Welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. Thank you, Scott. Happy to be here. Um, congratulations. I think your new app is now up and what do we say? It's live, I think is what we say in that business. Uh, how, how is, is. how is boondockerswelcome.com going for you? It's, it's been going, um, very well. We launched, uh, the whole web, the website, uh, back in 2012. So we've been around for eight years growing steadily. And uh, this year, we certainly, well, 2020, we certainly saw a lot of growth in, um, in our membership because of the pandemic, of course, and the whole, uh, everybody migrating to RVing as, as one of the safest ways to travel. So it's been going well. You know, we, we got a new RV right before all the governors started shutting down everything, including our, you know, many of our civil liberties, but don't get me started on that. So, so mm -hmm. our first five experiences in our new travel trailer were all boondocking. Uh, you know, it, whether it was uh, the middle of freaking nowhere or someplace where there just were no hookups. Uh, but we we kind of got back to that world that we'd gotten away from a little bit. But w why did you decide it was a good idea to support those kind of efforts with an entire website that that I'll ask you to describe at the same time? Okay. Well, my husband and I, Randy and I, have been uh, traveling in the RV. We bought our first RV in 1999. So. Um, we have been doing extensive extended trips since then, um, not every year while we were still, you know, gainfully employed, but uh, definitely uh, five or six months at a time sometimes. And we found that boondocking was certainly a good way to stretch our budget and also to uh, make sure that uh, we didn't have a problem finding. And we loved boondocking finding campsites really. And we love boondocking simply because there's uh, so many wonderful uh, experiences out there that you can only have when you're away from the campgrounds in some of the most scenic places. So, so we started that way um, and uh, gradually found ourselves heading back to the places in the Southwest more often, the Southwest states. We're from Canada, but in the Southwestern states where there's so much public land and there's lots of free boondocking, but that got, you know, not, didn't get old, but we kind of wanted to explore other areas. And we realized that uh, we had, since the beginning of uh, RV travel, we had decided that uh, it was one of the best ways to meet people and that RVers are such friendly people. So we've, we live in Ontario, Canada, but we've often invited people who have RVs from wherever they are, if they're ever coming through our area to stop in here. 
We got invitations back and forth, sometimes from people we just met for a short time, and they were handing us their cards, say, saying, come and stay with us if you're in our neck of the woods. So that's how the idea sort of was there. We were already doing it, uh, inviting people to our property. And, uh, and then we heard of couch surfing. My, my uh, niece was couch surfing all through Europe. So we kind of put the two ideas together. And it still was like, okay, her, I already had a website um, where I um, talked about traveling, RV travel on a budget. So I thought, hey, I already know about websites, but not one as complicated as the one that we wanted to create. So we did create Boondockers Welcome with, yes, you, you're right, I'm the founder, but I'm only one half of the founding team. My daughter, Anna Mast, is the brains behind the whole putting it together. <laughs> yeah, somebody yeah. has to know so, how to code that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> That's right, that's right. Without her, it wouldn't have happened. Well, so, uh, yeah, yeah, so that's how it started. So give me the, the, the 411 on, on how it works. I'm a guy, I'm in central Oregon. And I want to I want to be sort of kind of in uh, in the upper Midwest in October, and if you listen regularly, you'll figure out why. But I won't bore you now. But so I'm going to do what? And how am I, how am I going to find some place easily? What do I walk me through the process? You can go on to boondockerswelcome.com um, right now. You don't have to purchase a, a membership or anything like that. You can see every host that we have all over Canada, United States, and some in Australia, New Zealand, Europe. We, we've, we've touched on those places as well. But we have uh, over 2,700 hosts now. That's all most of them are RVers themselves who have a bit of property where they can park an RV of some Type. It might just be a small Class B camper van, but, but it's all listed. You can look at all the different hosts, what they offer, uh, where they are. Uh, the, the hosts themselves give the descriptions of, of themselves. And you can do all that. Then if you're, you're looking ahead to your trip, you can, uh, with a uh, guest subscription, you can then contact the host. Uh, and uh, ask if you can, you'll be able to see their availability calendar, um, but then you can request days. And you can request them up to two months in advance. So if you're looking at something for, you said you're traveling through till October, you can't really book more than two months in advance, and we purposely kept it that way and are glad we did because it's getting to be so hard to get into a campground and uh, we don't want it to be as difficult to get into one of our host locations as it is a campground. So I love it. Yeah. Each host, yeah, yeah. Each well, host, however, has, has they can they might say even less time. Any mm -hmm. two months is maximum. Well, you, you know, a lot of us have a fear of of going unplugged, if you will, literally and figuratively. That you know, as you say on your website, you know, virtually any RV will will hold up for a couple nights unplugged. Um, yeah. But I, another thing you mentioned is that, is that many of these hosts actually do offer at least an electrical connection sometimes. About 75% do. Mm -hmm. So we can, and, yep. So yep. We can run do. our so microwave and our, welcome. yeah, we can That's run right. our, our, yeah. our hair dryer and our microwave. 
Yeah, depending on the the type of connection, of sure, course. If, yeah. if you have a fifty, you know, fifty amp uh, uh, requirement, then you've got to make sure that the host electrical isn't you know just a plain household plug-in, of course, right? Right. But they many they offer yeah, and it's listed on on their profile. We ask them to identify as well what their electric hookup situation is. Yeah. And they we never asked them to prevent to provide that. That right. from the beginning we figured Boondockers welcome if they could offer a place for you to park that's all we were expecting and lo and behold of course uh Boondockers welcome Boondockers or RVers rather being as generous as they are many of them said well we have the hookup for ourselves so we might as well let our uh our guests use it as well. So, so there is a um, expectation from us and uh, some by some of the hosts that if you do uh, cost them any money, they're out of pocket. If if you're running electric, especially if you're running a heater or or an air conditioner, that you do compensate them for any costs. But but it's but it's very minor usually. They can request it up front, or if you, if they don't request it up front, it's only courteous to ask to compensate them if you have decided to uh, to hook up. That's Marianne Edwards with boondockerswelcome.com. I'm Scott Linden. You're listening to the RV Travel Podcast. Marianne, I got to cut you loose, but before I do, uh, most of our listeners have never boondocked. They're brand new mm-hmm. to this whole world. In 25 words or less, what would you tell them or how would you dispel any misconceptions they have? You've got built-in batteries, built-in holding tanks. That's what they're for. There you have it. The whole idea behind an RV is, well, you know, it was always about boondocking until 50 years ago, 40 years ago. Marianne Edwards, great talking with you. Congratulations on the new app to go along with the website, boondockerswelcome.com. Thanks for being part of the RV Travel Podcast. And don't you go away. We've got a lot more to talk about. We're going to tour the new Soul Dawn travel trailer. Get your opinions on campsite availability. We're going to throw shade, so to speak, when we talk to Kate Doherty from RVTravel.com. It's all coming up right here. But first, a word from our sponsor, softstartrv.com slash RVTravel. Go there and learn all about this fascinating technology and how it will make your life a little bit easier. I can't wait to get mine installed. In fact, I'm going to try and do it myself. Go to Mike Sokol's uh, YouTube channel and watch how easy it is, especially with the new and improved version of the installation kit. Soft Start RV basically allows you to use your air conditioner or any other massive power drains with your lightweight generator if you if i can call it that i made that mistake uh just about a year ago and um am looking forward to solving the problem if you know anything about electrical energy and i don't but i'm told that um, the biggest problem with 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 heavy uh electrical drains is startup lots of voltage or wattage or amperage or whatever you guys call it in the trade is required just to power the thing up and and massive amounts when you're doing an air conditioner, for example. After it's started, not a problem. Your little generator can probably handle that. 
but with the soft start RV, you won't have that startup problem. It's kind of like a cushion, kind of a bungee cord, if you will, in the electrical world. Learn more about it and make sure you go to this website because that way Chuck and I get credit for it. Softstartrv.com slash RV travel. Believe me, we'll be talking a lot about that device in the weeks to come because I can't wait to unbox mine and see how it works. Whew. Looking forward to that. But I'm also looking forward to talking with you every week right here at the RV Travel Podcast. Jot down this number. Keep it handy. 541-382-1726. Always looking for suggestions and ideas. And this is where we're going to share most of those. Every week, I hope to have something in this little segment that involves you. Either a recommended place to go for one reason or another, quirky person or location that we should definitely visit and get a chuckle out of, a great idea, tip, advice, how-to, suggestion. And if you have mastered backing up with a spouse helping, please, please call and let's share that with everybody else. In the meanwhile, since we're just getting rolling here and uh, and nobody's really heard about this segment yet, I'm going to start. I'm uh, glad to step up and volunteer some things here. And, you know, this whole thing started with me writing a story for one of the RV magazines about traveling with my dog. You know, my day job is making TV shows about bird dogs and bird hunting, and um, that's how I got into the RV business. And uh, so I learned a little bit about how to you know, how to keep your dog fed and cared for and, and, and from chewing the steering wheel apart and uh, staying uh, obedient in any number of ways. So I will start the whole discussion this week with one bit of advice that I found is true virtually every trip. Actually, it's two bits. It's two motives for the same thing. You've probably heard the phrase, if you're fat, your dog isn't getting enough exercise. Absolutely true. But over the course of owning five German wire-haired pointers, I've also learned that if I have an obedience problem with one of my dogs, it's most likely because they haven't had enough exercise, physical and mental so whenever you're traveling, you're going to get out, you're going to stretch, you're going to, you know, uh, for all the, the right reasons, you're going to get out and move around a little bit. Of course, move your dog around with you. But once your dog and you have both got some exercise, why don't you challenge them a little bit cerebrally? It could be a couple obedience commands, a drill or two. My wife's got a whole set of weave poles for her little corgi, for example, to do something. Any place you can stick a few poles in the ground, ball chasing in a safe place. All of those things challenge your dog mentally as well as physically. And that's what it's all about. Good luck and don't forget. Call me, 541-382-1726 with your tips, your, your crazy pet ideas, quirky places to go, anything like that. We'd love to share it. Remember, the RV community is all about that community. Here's your chance to be a part of it. All right, the next part of the show 
is brought to you by cardgenerator.com. Yeah. All right, so you don't have a generator yet? I don't care what size it is. You'll want one of these. Imagine being able to just hang something on the front of your tow vehicle or on your car and power a whole bunch of stuff that needs 110 or shore power. Jonathan Schlue has come up with a device that is easy to carry, easy to operate, and will put shore power into your system even if you don't have a generator, even if the power goes out at home, or if you're just looking to, you know, maybe jump, pardon the pun, jump start something in your RV that needs a little bit more than your battery or your solar can provide. Cargenerator.com. You'll be fascinated at the technology and you'll be baffled at how simple it is. It's one of those forehead slapping ideas that I wish I'd come up with. And you will too. Cargenerator.com. Well, one of the fun things I get to do right here on the RV Travel Podcast is talk to everybody at rvtravel.com about stuff that we're interested in, in one way, shape, or form. Writer Kate Doherty joins me on the line right now. Kate, welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. Well, hi, Scott. How are you? I am fine. It sounds like you're maybe on the road or something. Are you in your RV right now? At the moment, I am not. I'm actually work camping, so I stepped away from meeting and greeting campers, RVers, and people who are here uh, as they're leaving and departing and coming and going and coming into the activities office. And so I stepped aside and uh, sequestered myself for a few minutes and let somebody else uh, pick up the baton and carry it on. Well, you know, you bring up work camping. We're going to talk to another work camper down the road, uh, uh, and we probably ought to debrief you at some point as well because that is becoming more and more popular with RVers these days. But today... You, you brought up something in a recent article that I, I think everybody should read and get more information about. Uh, and you referenced it first in the aviation world. And I thought, I remember that. Yes, I used to repair wrecks and antiques back in the day. And no, not for Orville and Wilbur, but a while back. Um, tell me a little bit about these, uh, uh, temp, I'll call them portable, movable sunscreens, shades, etc. Why, why that kind of tripped your trigger as well? Well, we started using them about seven, six to seven years ago in our plane because we had a small Mooney rocket and we would fly literally almost coast to coast. But the sun was such a bear every morning, no matter where you were going. And I'm shorter than my husband, so I'd be sitting and I'd have the sun shade pulled down that's fixed in the aircraft. And it still didn't, and it was blinding light. Traveling, you know, early morning, you're trying to obviously get there early so that you don't have to deal with thermals and wind. So you leave early, and you're always dealing with east sun. In the afternoon, you're leaving to go back, <laughs> and you've got west-facing sun. And so these screens are so good about them is they're malleable. They'll fit in the curvature of a windshield, like most aircraft have, you know, curved windshields. But we'd stick them on the side windows, uh, so we, at any given time, we'd have six or eight on our side windows to keep the heat down from the sun, especially in the warmer months of the year. But many times we would use two or three in our front windshield. And what was nice about them, they would reduce the glare, but they would also give you plenty of 
freedom to be able to see through them. You have similar things like Levelor makes things that you can have as a shade in your home, and it lets you see out for a little bit, but it also blocks much of the sun. Um, and so that's why we love those things. We picked them up at Sporties, and we picked them up at the Sun and Fun in Florida years ago and have been using them ever since, and we use them on our Jeep now. And, uh, yeah, I know you're not supposed to put something on the front windshield, but let me tell you, when I'm looking at 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock in the morning and we're driving into glaring sun, even with, with sunglasses on, it's still not fun. No, Especially it, when it's a, a shade or it's coming in from an angle. It still is a bear to try to get good. And then you get reflectivity off of sometimes chrome, um, not whites, but you, know, you get chrome off of people's rear view mirrors or side mirrors on a motorhome or a blinding windshield that's really clean or at an angle, then it just reflects more into your eyes. And now you're not having fun driving. You know, the only thing I would add to that is you're talking about morning all the time. You know, there's a really crappy time in the afternoon if you're driving the wrong direction Absolutely. where you have the same problem. And it seems to get worse as the day goes on instead of better like the morning but describe you know in a nutshell describe what this thing looks like and how it functions well if anybody's ever used and a lot of motorhome people use these they're 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 collapsible made out of netting kind of and a little bit of a wire perimeter or a brace or outline you can fold them you could twist them and put them into a pocket that's about eight by six or eight by eight inches and they'll fold right up and they're made of nylon so they're washable if you get something on them which you normally wouldn't and they're typically adhere to a windshield with one or two suction cups so they'll go anywhere everywhere and um, what's so nice about them is that when you twist them then they compact into like a third of their size uh, you'll see a lot of these kinds of things that are actual sun shades for windshields of sure, cars exactly. and they'll twist yeah and that's what these do uh we got ours initially first from rosen who was big in the aircraft business secondly then you can get them and a lot of people now have them on on the internet uh amazon and everybody carries them we just happen to still have the ones we bought at the air show six or seven years ago and absolutely love them uh, i'm laughing because in the tv business we use a giant version of those that uh, that reflect sunlight so we can put light wherever we want when we're outside and, sure. and the poor production assistant has to use it and then they have to stow it back when they're done and, mm -hmm. and the intelligence test is can you twist it in the right direction and get back into the sack it came out of <laughs> well these actually do uh, some of these don't come anymore when you, but ours, everyone that we've ever purchased always comes with a nice little nylon pouch, if you will, like a little tiny mini pillowcase, and that's good for keeping them. But even if you don't, they'll come with an elastic strap usually that will go all the way around the, you know, once it's folded into thirds or fourths, whatever it comes in, and it'll wrap itself around with an elastic strap to keep it in that configuration until you remove the elastic strap and it pops right open literally pops right back open to the shade size stick the uh, the suction cups against the window and you're good to go love it if you want more information on how to use it and where to find them i bet kate's article at rvtravel.com has all of that just go to rvtravel.com and search that site amongst the article list and kate will have everything you need right there kate it's great to talk with you thanks so much for being a part of the rv travel podcast Oh, you're welcome. Nice talk to you, Scott. And ditto on this end. 
And speaking of gripes, you know, we all have one and uh, we've been talking about it a lot. But I, you know, I used to sell a little market research back in the day and uh, find numbers both boring and exciting, depending on the topic. One of the topics that we're talking about, of course, is very important in the next few months, especially if you're starting your summer planning. And did you know that every, virtually every day in our, in the rvtravel.com website, there is a survey of one sort or another. And lots of people are chiming in on topics, everything from uh, how long it took you to pay off your RV to what you like to cook. Recently, though, editor Emily Woodbury inserted this question for the second time in, you know, a couple of years. Is it harder for you today to obtain an RV park space without an advance reservation than it was five years ago? And the numbers are, you know, a little bit surprising, frankly. Um, nobody's, nobody, no change. 13% of you said it's just as easy as it used to be. 41% of you said, yeah, it's a little bit more difficult. And 45% said it's a lot more difficult. So most of us are having challenges already and summer hasn't even arrived yet. Um, my sympathy, I know I've been there. I've done that. I just got back from California where we had a little bit of trouble in some places, but a lot of trouble in other places. Here are some of your comments. The Lazy Q says, only for the days I want to camp. Mostly not a problem for the days I can't take a trip. Dick and Sandy were near Buffalo, New York, uh, en route to Florida when they said usually finding an RV site is not the problem. The problem is finding the right RV site. Maybe you have the same problem. They need a site that faces north so that their satellite is pointed in the right direction and that sort of thing. Michael McCracken says the park he's currently in just expanded with 50 new sites and within a month it was full. Raymond Shaw says, sometimes we're a little further from what we wanted to see, but not bad. Ted Dedman, sometimes we would simply pop into the campground, but never on a Friday night, especially during July and August. Well, if you are um, biting your fingernails at the, um, I guess I'll call it the challenges to come, there's some advice for you. It's all at rvtravel.com. By now, a lot more comments in that survey Go on and see if you can pick up some useful information. And if you're like me, and I think you are, you are obsessed with what's new in the world of RV travel, especially all the new rigs out there. And yes, I covet one that looks a little bit like this. Uh, I'll let him do most of the describing, but uh, from Intech, I have Keith Fishburn on the line. We're going to take a tour of the Soul Dawn. And Keith, welcome to the program. I'm glad you could join me. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you having me on. I am intrigued. Uh, and, and to tell you the truth, I got this lead from our, our good friends at rvtravel.com. And by the way, if you're listening and you want a full review, there is one right there at rvtravel.com. But in the meanwhile, the Soul Dawn 
strikes me as I, I, just driving down the road. It strikes me as a cross between, uh, yeah, the coolest version of the Lucy and Ricky long, long trailer and some whiz bang new stuff as well. So Keith, you're standing right there. Why don't you describe the exterior to us? Well, the soul, the whole soul lineup comes with a lot of style. You know, you're so used to seeing campers that are fairly boxy, uh, fairly square in their overall design. But the soul features this, what we call a tilt forward design. So what, what's happening is the front cap of this unit is actually angling forward. And then the, the roof has a nice sweeping line to it that, that curves all the way to the back bumper. So a very flowing look to the unit and a very unique uh, front windshield on it as well that grabs a lot of attention. You know, I'm going to, I just got to break in here because I just figured out what it is. I, you know, I spent a little bit of time down in Palm Springs a couple of years ago. And one of the things we did down there was we did the tour of all the mid-century modern homes. Uh-huh. Somebody stole those ideas and put them on the sold on. <laughs> you can say that it does have a very similar uh, feel and look to that, doesn't it? Yeah. So it's Yeah. I mean, whether you wanted to or not, you're going to, you're going to attract a lot of attention from the baby boomers just for that. Yes, it does. It, uh, it's got a neat look to it. It really draws a lot of attention for its style. Well, tell me more about the exterior before we walk inside. Well, sure. So one thing that's really neat about an Intech is you almost have to peel back the skin because you have a neat, Obviously, you have a neat look that's a different design, but when you start peeling back, uh, you know, the layers on an Intech, you figure out what makes it different. Uh, so it features a full aluminum skeleton cage, and that's all welded to an aluminum chassis. And what's so cool about that is it gives you almost this unibody style structure to the unit. Because an RV takes a lot of abuse going down the road. You know, you're hitting, you're hitting potholes, bouncing all the way down, and you pretty much have this finished house on the inside. So by having a unit where, where you have this unibody, solid, welded-together structure, you know, your cabinets and your bathroom walls and things that are all connected to the exterior, they're not moving independently. Um, and I guess to kind of give a little background, what makes that so different is most RVs, they'll have a base frame, but then they'll just take, you'll just have some walls that are pretty much screwed or stapled down to the frame. And then they'll kind of be screwed and stapled to each other, you know, the, the side walls and the ceiling. And so all those pieces are fighting against each other all the time. So the construction of an Intech, you know, really sets it apart. And then when you go to the outside of it, you're gonna have a full nice fiberglass finish. Um, I was telling you, you've got you know, that big front windshield on it, which is actually car glass. That's, that is a three-ply laminated piece of glass on the front of the unit. So a lot of exterior style and, and uh, good design to that as well. It, it, uh, the color I'm looking at right now, I would call white. And if you listen regularly, you'll find out very soon I'm a little colorblind, but I, I'm going to call it white. But does it come in any other colors? You know, the exterior color overall is all white. And then you have some decal striping sure. that you can do different yeah. colors on. Yeah. So you get blue stripes or red, different, you know, different pin striping basically happening there. So you could match your car or your tow vehicle if you really worked at it. Yes, you could. You can make it all work. You know, uh, uh, I haven't used the term and I promise not to use it again, but, um, but there's a bit of a streamlined feel to it, especially that front end. I see no propane tanks. There isn't. So part of the design, you know, we look at the tanks and say, well, that's not all that pretty. Yeah. So what we've done is there's this front cap that we have designed 
the propane tanks actually slide right into it. And then we have a little cover that goes over the front of that that seals those things off. So very easy to access, but you're also not looking at them sitting on the front of the camper. It, a clean line, uh, um, almost... I'm dating myself almost a Jetson feel to the exterior. Yes, yes. All we right. Do sometimes too. So pull out your 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 key and let's let's open the door and walk inside. So when you come inside the Dawn, uh, immediately you notice a lot of floor space, a lot of space for a camper this size. This thing's only 16 foot long. It only weighs in at about 2,700 pounds, so it's towable by most vehicles. But you just have a lot of space, and a lot of that is credited to all the windows you have around you. It gives you a very open feel. And then that, uh, you know, as we talked earlier, that front end of this unit angling forward as opposed to coming straight up or, or that front wall angling back. So the majority of this camper is a dinette. It is a large dinette area. You can seat up to six people very comfortably in it. Um, and then the dinette kind of does a double duty. It's gonna turn into your bed space. So you're going to be able to drop in a filler cushion. Um, one thing that's always a frustrating point for people sometimes when you do a, a bed that converts to a dinette is, you know, you've slept all night. Now you get up in the morning, you're ready to make breakfast, and you got to tear down your bed. So what we did in this space is we set it into two separate sections. You have a single filler cushion that drops in. Now you have a bed area at the very front of the camper, but you still maintain two seats back further towards the kitchen area where you still can keep the table up. So kind of a neat little workaround for the convertible dinette bed set up inside the unit. Yeah, I'm thinking of the the problem that solves for me on a hunting trip, for example, uh, with a guest. And uh, man, that is brilliant. I don't know who decided that was a worthy effort, but that and the fact that you have one cushion and we don't have to do a jigsaw puzzle to make this thing into a bed, amen to that. Yes, yeah, that was uh, that was a big point. You know, you try and see what people are really complaining about when they're using stuff. And that can give you a lot of ideas as far as how to design your next product. Well, you know, speaking of design alone, I mean, I'm just looking at this thing and, and, and it looks like you know, some of the home makeover shows. I, I'm just looking at fixed finishes. And like you said, the light from so many windows, what's the motivation there? Is, is there some strategy Well, you know, you're camping, you really want to be connected to the outdoors. Um, you know, that's why you see us focus so much attention on glass and, and open space inside the unit. Um, you know, you can, we could put more uh, vertical cabinetry, more storage in places inside this thing, but we want it to have kind of an open, more modern feel to the camper. And that really drives the design when we decide what we're placing in it and, you know, where the window placements and the sizing of all that's going to be is to have a very open feel to it. So uh, does that mean that uh, the, the, what storage there is, is uh, what I'll, I'll say is below eye level? You know, we try to maximize up top and then down kind of below, below the uh, waistline on the, on the storage. So if you look around the top of this trailer, you'll see cubbies and, and overhead cabinets everywhere you look. Because, you know, it is a small camper, so you do have to maximize your spaces that you have as far as uh, storing items. And then, like you mentioned down below, you're going to have storage underneath your dinette. You're going to have a pantry storage kind of below your TV, and your kitchen's going to be packed full of storage as well. Yeah, and I know somebody who will appreciate that quite a bit. Um, the kitchen is um, uh, compact. It's a small trailer. I, the first one I had was about the same size, and uh, and and I survived. Lived to tell about it. Uh, uh -huh. 
Yeah, but there's an art to making a kitchen that actually is functional when it's, you know, at the, the back quarter of a trailer like that, isn't there? Oh, there really is. You know, the tighter the space gets, the more intricate the design has to be to make sure that you're accomplishing, you know, you've got a space that people can work with. So, you know, I mean, obviously an RV is common to have these, these uh, cooktops that have a glass cover to them. So it kind of can adds more cooking surface or working surface, I should say, to the countertop. We also use a really neat big farmhouse sink, and it's kind of got a dual purpose. It's nice because it's big enough you can actually get pots and pans, you know, big things in that sink and use it. But then it comes with a, a stainless steel grate that covers it. So now if you use that stainless steel grate and you have your cooktop cover down, you have one large, uh, you know, countertop space to work on. So you're always trying to find different ways to uh, double, you know, maybe double use the same space. And that's what we've done in the kitchen area. I had I had a rig once that was designed by a shipbuilder, and uh, this the same kind of thinking it sounds like has come to the fore with you guys to try and be efficient in any way possible. Yep, yeah, absolutely. It's you got to be efficient with every every little square inch you use inside a unit this size to make sure it's something that you can go out for a weekend and not feel cramped and make sure you feel like you've got good usable space. Now, uh, uh, I I don't know that I've ever had any luck with a trailer this size with a bathroom in it, but you guys have kind of uh, taken on the challenge there. Why don't you describe how that works? It is, because, you know, you look at a lot of small campers, and boy, you I'm 6'2", and I can't even get inside those bathrooms or fit in them, even if it's an emergency situation, practically. So this one, you know, we, we put the same bathroom in all of our sole models, and, oh boy, here, I'm going to quote this quote this size and I think I have it right you've got a 29 inch by 44 inch tray um, inside it so it's you know it's got good space all around it the dawn is a little tighter on head height because we are in the back corner of the trailer so you get about five feet nine inches of head height but the real key is you've got room to move around you know your shoulders fit inside this in this area you've got room in front of your knees between the toilet and the wall so it's for a wet bath it's very usable it's uh, it's not just a check mark or a checkbox item, I should say, on the trailer. Like, yep, it's got one. No, this is one that you can really use. The kitchen has some other features, including the refrigerator, that um, that is a, a little bit more novel than some. Do you want to talk a little bit about how you're keeping stuff cold there? Yeah. So in in this line, we put a uh, three-way refrigerator. So it can run off of your propane. It can run off of a 12-volt or 120-volt power. So you got multiple options depending on what power sources you have available for it. We also do something kind of nice. We elevate. We try to get all of our fridges, you know, a foot and a half, two feet up off the ground. Because this is a 3.7 cubic foot fridge, so you don't have, you know, it's not a full height deal. But now when you open the door, it's nice and it's right there at eye level. What's also a cool feature it has is it has a freezer section in it but you can actually remove the freezer section out of it and expand the size of the refrigeration space. So it gives you kind of some neat features inside a smaller fridge there. Well, that makes all the sense in the world. But the thing I miss most in some of those earlier RVs that I owned was that three-way capability. Why aren't more people doing that? Um, you know, it takes a little more to run a three-way. So mm -hmm. you've got to do more ventilation outside the camper. It's a little more expensive in its overall design and everything, but, uh, you know, you talk about going off off grid, as they say, and you're not going to be able to plug into power. It sure is nice to be able to run that refrigerator off your propane. 
And I just want to add to put a capper on this that the bed is pretty darn big. What, how big is that bed in the front end? So like we were talking about, you break down into two different sizes. So you have your first section of it is going to be 48 by 80 inches. And so that's when you're still leaving your table in place and you still have your two seats. But if you remove those from the, from the equation and you put in your second filler cushion, now you have a bed that extends out to, it's kind of funny because you have a curved front wall. So, you know, the, the measurements as far as where you pull them from, but on the small side, you're 80 inches by 63 inches. So you're over the size of a queen. Yeah. And for some of us, that's really important. I'm, I'm right there with you at about six, two. So those kind of things get really important in a small trailer, don't they? Yeah. So you can make your uh, night awfully miserable if you have no room to move. So yeah, well, I've had enough of those already. No, thank you. <laughs> well, if you were to leave us with one final descriptor for the Intec Soul Dawn at just 16 feet, how, uh, what would you tell us? You know, I would say it is just one of the most, the coolest little unique, versatile trailers you're going to find on the market. But one thing that in tech that just drives us pretty much in everything we do is quality. And when you look around the camper and you, and you see the way it's designed and built, you can tell it was thought out. And it's a very, very high-end fit and finish and quality build. There you have it. And George Jetson could pilot that thing behind his flying car at any point in time. <laughs> It'll work just fine for them. <laughs> Keith Fishburn at Intech. Uh, they're the makers of the entire Soul line. The Soul Dawn is is probably the you know the 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 shortest of the bunch and and just a cool looking trailer. Thanks so much for being a part of the RV Travel Podcast. Nice guy. Appreciate you having me on. And with that, I'm just going to thank you all for making the first RV Travel Podcast such an enjoyable time i hope you learned something i know i did i'll say goodbye but before i do i'd ask you a couple favors please make a suggestion got a place to go somebody to talk to call me at 541-382-1726 or drop me a line at the podcast page at rvtravel.com that's just as easy Love to hear from you, even if you just have a comment about the podcast. And if you have a positive comment, please uh, rate us or review us at Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to do it. You can always listen at rvtravel.com as well. But if you subscribe, it'll come right to your cell phone. Share your own story. Support rvtravel.com. It's funded by folks like you. Every little bit helps. Thank you in advance for that. I'll leave you with... A little chuckle, I hope. You know how many RVers it takes to change a light bulb? Just one. Everybody else is dealing with their black tank issues. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks for listening. See you down the road.